This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DTC pod. I'm your host, Jay. And today we have a great guest with us, Julie Bernard, who's the chief marketing officer at Tradeswell, a company that helps brands unify data, leverage AI-generated insights, and accelerate essential decisions to empower growth across the digital commerce landscape. Super excited to have Julie on the podcast over here. We're going to be talking about trends like AI, automation, forecasting, and profitability, and a lot of other awesome, awesome, cool stuff. Uh, Julie, excited to have you on over here. Uh, I know I've been doing a lot of the talking right now, but I'll pass the mic over to you. Uh, If you want to give a quick little intro and uh, tell the audience more a little about what you do and uh, what Tradeswell does as well. Sure. Thanks so much, Jay. I'm so happy to be here. appreciate it. And like you said, I currently head up the marketing team with Tradeswell. And prior to that, I have a pretty nonlinear background, actually, as both, I always like to say, both brand and performance marketer, spanning B2B and B2C, retail and brands. And my passion, which is my unifying theme throughout all the different roles I've had, is always around customer experience, legitimately actionable insights. So I hope we get to talk a little bit more about that today, kind of authentically actionable insights and and really team empowerment, whether that's with my own team, cross-functionally with the teams I work with, or for you know the clients that, that we support their teams. And my the range of my background spans kind of traditional omnichannel from luxury retailer Saks Fifth Avenue to dollar store format, big lots to America's department store Macy's, doing a lot of work with Macy's.com and driving a change initiative there. But also had a really long stint in both management consulting and in the B2B context in ad tech and advertising technology, notably with mobile and e-commerce. So I have a lot of experience with data, with digital transformation, and with uh, consumer experience. So I'm excited to talk about a lot of those things today. Awesome. Yeah, I know we have a lot to dive in over here. But before we kind of jump into all those different topics, I think a good talking point is actually probably around uh, what kind of brought us to this podcast, um, which is like talking about marketing and, you know, how it's related to potentially other departments as well and kind of how everything fits in together. So let's talk a little bit about marketing and how it kind of relates to other departments like finance, supply chain, and, and inventory management. Yeah, thanks, Jay. It gives me a great opportunity actually to talk a little bit about what even brought me to Tradeswell as a transition in my own career there's a real blurring of the lines between advertising, media, marketing, the different disciplines in a broader sense, and commerce, and particularly when it's digital commerce and e-commerce. And the team at Tradeswell that I, and again, they only came out of stealth mode a year ago, already have over 350 brands operating on this platform, really had a vision about helping brands to scale and grow their digital commerce business through this idea that you need one single unified environment to manage your businesses, both your D2C channels, as well as the various marketplaces that people are operating on nowadays in one unified environment, and also bring together the key metrics, the key data from retail sales, marketing, operations, and finance into that one unified view. Because in today's environment, for the type of growth and the speed with which people are growing in these marketplaces and in their D2C business, the individuals themselves have a broader purview than just marketing. 
there's such a connectivity between how a digital commerce grows. And you really need to have all of those data in one environment because the person who might have been a shop marketing expert in the past or you know, a digital marketing leader in the past now has a broader commerce purview, a broader span of responsibility. And they really need to be able to see what's happening with product availability as an example because the product availability very much directly impacts their ability to meet consumer expectations, to fulfill demand. And if they have a product that has low availability, they actually need to pause ad spend, as an example, and perhaps reallocate that advertising investment towards different products that have greater inventory availability. So there's really a connectedness in these environments that's critical for these leaders in e-commerce. And the Tradeswell platform is helping to solve that problem of, cross-marketplaces, cross-functionally, and to really automate the insight generation so that people can make those decisions in real time. Yeah, that totally makes a lot of sense. And I mean, it's all about kind of marketing teams even having a strong understanding of everything that goes on in that marketing sphere and how it's kind of connected to those other different departments over there. Talking a little bit more about that as well, what are some of the the benefits, I guess, and I know you mentioned a couple over there, like related to pausing ad spend and things like that. What are some of the other benefits of kind of making sure that you don't let that data live in silos, whether you're a small team or whether you're a big brand that has multiple products used? One of the most important things I think is we all love to talk about data. And we recently fielded some research with 300 B2B e-commerce leaders with roles that ranged from manager through founder, entrepreneur, CEO of a lot of D2C emerging brands. And one of the things that came up a lot in that conversation was around investments that they made last year during the beginning of the pandemic in technology and data, data warehousing, data harmonization in particular. And what was an interesting observation in the course of the work that we did in the survey work was, okay, now we've laid the foundation. We have made a lot of these technology and data investments. But now as we come 18 months later and we move into the latter half of this year and into 2022, we need to act on those data. We need to be doing something with it and we need to be empowered to act far more quickly than we've been able to do in the past. One of the themes that came across was always about this idea, now we have all this data, there's so much, it's so vast, we're bringing together a lot of the data from these different marketplaces across functions, but it's a needle in a haystack to find what it all means. So what I always like to say is we now have a lot of data, we can report on it, so we can report on the what, yet what's so important is to think about, so what does it mean, and now what do I do with it? And so the the structure I always say to folks is what, so what, now what? And if we can't get to the so what does it mean and now what do I do with it, then we haven't yet done the work. And it's not that people don't want to, and it's not that they're not smart enough to figure out the so what does it mean and now what do I do with it, that they oftentimes spend so much of their time just figuring out the what and reporting on the what that they don't have time to really just think about it and think strategically and to apply their knowledge and experience against the data and and to come up with the actionable insights. And one of the things that is exciting to see is this embrace of automation and technology to automatically surface the insights that people need to make these essential decisions in their business so that they don't have to spend so much time on the the kind of execution layer, and they really can think more about the action and strategic layer and the insights that they can do something with. I think that's great. There's a lot of insights over there to kind of unpack from what you were talking about. I want to also spend some time to like 
Speaking of actionable data and, and what you can do, and even potentially trends of what's been going on, it's not a secret that like most consumers shop in multiple places. And obviously, like we talked a little bit about ads as well, but it's not just about that. I mean, people might buy in retail. They might purchase through an online marketplace where you might not necessarily have all of the data that's needed. What are some of the key differences and like how consumers buy and kind of relating it back to the different data that you talked about? Like, what is it important for brands to know because of this? Yeah, the file talk about lots to unpack. There are so many different pathways we could go down with that question. It's a great question, Jay. A couple things pop into mind when you ask that. First and foremost, the Digital commerce landscape really has, you know, changed in terms of consumer expectations for speed and shipping costs. And, you know, we all know Amazon's impact on those expectations. And in our research, we saw that in some research that we did with the market research firm, we're using six out of 10 consumers expect to receive their orders online from whatever online retailer they're purchasing from, whether a D2C direct brand site or a marketplace, not only within same day, yet more and more are expecting to get it, or excuse me, one day in same day, which is really, really interesting in terms of the consumer expectation. Yet they also want discoverability still at inspiration, and that need is not being met as much online as it was in kind of the traditional physical store context. And there's a great opportunity, I think, for innovation still with meeting that need for discoverability and experience for consumers. And it's one of the things that we see brands trying to think about And then related to your data question about so many different channels and consumers are going to many different places, I think it's important for brands to just recognize that the data we do have is great and we should tap into it to the greatest extent that we can and be okay with making progress over perfection. Just start to draw some conclusions and have insights on the data that you do have rather than be in this perpetual pursuit of perfection of ingesting ever more data because then you're just stuck in this circle and this cycle of the collection of the data versus trying to do something with it. We have a client, and I'll tell one story and see what you think, who was telling us about their D2C channel, their D2C business, and the tremendous investments that they were making, as so many do, in the various social platforms to drive visitors to their site and to create engagement, capture that first-party data and whatnot. And then in the work we were doing with them, we saw that their social investment, more often than not, was actually driving to Amazon and they weren't selling on Amazon. Yet that's where the consumer was looking for them. And it was an important moment for them to say, as much as I may want to have people come and engage with us on our website, there are consumers where other marketplaces and other channels meet their needs better and we need to be there. And it informed their decision to start to expand for reach and scale and growth into other marketplaces, not only Amazon yet, Walmart and others, to better meet the needs of their consumer. And the last thing I'll say there is related to the data piece to know you're always going to have a blind spot. And it is something that I think is an opportunity for brands and the partners they work with and for the trade associations to start playing a role to help the whole industry think about what the responsible and ethical data sharing paradigms of the future look like so that the data that are necessary for brands to better know their consumers so that they can better meet and create positive consumer experiences can be met. And there are ways of doing it with privacy-sensitive safe haven environments that can empower everybody in the end-to-end e-commerce business so that the consumer expectations for positive experiences can be met and both the 
the retailers and the marketplaces and the, the brands themselves can all win. So it's a classic example of a rising tide lifts all boats. And I think that the IAB and the ANA and a lot of these industry trade associations have a good role to play there in figuring out and helping to define the means by which people can do that responsibly. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, talking about, I thought that case study that you gave was a really good one and an interesting one. I think our audience would probably be curious as well to kind of learn like how you were able to come to that conclusion and find that information or do that research as well. Because I know obviously not everyone always has the resources to maybe have someone else work on it. Maybe they've got to do it internally. So it would be cool if you could kind of break that down a little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely, Jay. I think this is where it's really important for people and for teams and for leaders who support their teams to really start to think about embracing technology and the role that technology can play. I know everybody loves to say artificial intelligence. Everybody loves to talk about machine learning. And it feels a little bit like the bright, shiny new object, yet it does apply. (laughs) It does apply and it's real. And the way to find these insights is to think about the technology ecosystem and different solutions that exist to help automatically detect with the types of data that these different environments, these different technology solutions are ingesting, to automatically detect these these clues, these nuggets of information, these insights, and surface them to you. So in our case, specifically for Tradeswell, this is one of the reasons I was excited to join, join this team when I learned they had been in stealth mode for a year building this, is the proprietary techniques that they've invented with their data science team to use data and to leverage data differently to actually do this automatic surfacing of these insights, including data from these different marketplaces, including data across these different functions to surface these types of insights that people can take action on. The last piece I'd say there to Jay on the tech role is in the old days, there was always this, you know, I always think back when I was on the B2C side, I was on the buy side. And I had, in one of my particular roles, I had a $125 million a year budget for services and technology, both people and tech solutions to help me drive a change initiative. And I would have so many great tech companies sit across the table from me presenting their wares, if you will. And I always used to be worried about the black box. And I wanted to know how they did it. My teams and I would sit there and we would be challenging the various people that were pitching, again, their new solution to us. And I needed to know the how. And it would get into wanting to meet with their data science people and meeting with their statisticians and their mathematicians and their applied mathematicians and all of these folks. And one day I said, what am I doing? I am not a statistician. At some point in the old days, we were worried about the black box. Now I say we need to start trusting these black boxes. We need to start trusting the really smart talent in product and in engineering that have created and invented new methods and new ways of doing things. And instead of worrying about the how and the plumbing of how they're achieving these effects, embrace and observe the productivity through the outcomes that these technologies can deliver for us. And so to be hyper-focused on the outcomes relieves the pressure and the burden of having to know how to do it myself and to embrace the solutions that can do it for us. And I think that's actually a perfect segue into our conversation about AI and talking about that a little bit more as well. Obviously, there are a lot of tech companies out there that are using AI, whether it's in B2B or B2C. And you know, it's especially starting to really permeate through B2C and direct-to-consumer brands using that to their advantage. What are some of the useful insights that brands can 
get from AI, maybe for brands that aren't thinking about necessarily like AI seems more of like a business thing, like not necessarily like helpful for consumers, but what are some useful insights over there? Even just talking about the general landscape for AI when it comes to direct-to-consumer brands, e-commerce brands, what kind of role do you see AI playing, whether it's now, but also even into the future as well for brands? One of the things I'm most excited about, Jay, is the innovation that has... So we talk about the accelerated adoption of e-commerce in the past 18 months. I also think we've seen the accelerated introduction of really amazing technology solutions to meet that moment and to help brands to meet that moment and to help the brands meet that consumer moment specifically. Here's what I like to think about when it comes to AI specifically. In the old days when you were starting to invest in technology, it could be the $50 million five-year implementation process. And by the time you implemented something, it was already dated and no longer relevant to your business. And nowadays with all of the no-code and low-code product-led growth types of solutions that are out there that are SaaS platforms with pricing plans that can work for small businesses all the way up to Fortune 500 brands and lots of different options that are available to people with monthly plans and annual plans, but they're cost-effective and because they're the types of products that people can immediately implement and start gaining benefit from in a day or two. I would tell people to think about it this way. What are your objectives? Are you trying to drive revenue? Are you trying to acquire new customers? Are you trying to deepen and nurture the relationship with existing customers? And based on your particular business objectives of what you're trying to achieve, start testing with these different solutions. The great news is so many of them, ourselves included, everybody seems to offer a free trial nowadays, whether it's a 14-day trial, a 30-day trial. And because these are the types of technologies that can be very quickly, you know, through self-registration and self-onboarding techniques implemented in your business, try them out. Everybody loves to say that they have a philosophy of test and learn and, you know, learning and failing quickly and modifying and moving forward from that moment. So then do that and start assessing the different solutions that are out there for your particular business problem and test it out and measure those outcomes. Because the second part I would say then, Jay, is everything can be measured. That's the beauty of digital versus kind of, you know, the yesteryear brand retail relationships of, you know, decades ago. And so the other part of this is that there are really great techniques and you can see the immediate measurement techniques. You can see that impact on your business through these different solutions as well. Are you interested in DTC and e-commerce content? Join Trends exclusive community for everything DTC, the DTCers community. We're talking marketing, product, growth, and more all about DTC. Go to trend.io slash podcast. That's T-R-E-N-D slash podcast and look for the Slack community link to claim your invite. We hope to see you on there. And even talking about some of those products that are out there specifically, I know you have experience I know you mentioned working at bigger companies and looking through these crazy massive technologies um, and potentially implementing some of those as well. And I'm sure a lot of those tools might have been outside of the budget for newer brands or growing brands. So even speaking like from that experience and what you've kind of seen over there, what are you excited about like in that space trickling down to potentially like newer brands in terms of like no-code, low-code solutions or other things that can implement that 
you know, maybe bigger brands had the opportunity to do a few years ago because of a massive budget, but now it's kind of becoming available to some of these more newer and growing brands as well. I love this question because you set me up for a piece of research we're about to launch next month. The research I mentioned beforehand, we're putting some of the finishing touches on it. We have a really interesting subset in this research that came out in terms of looking at cohort analysis of small businesses contrasted against large businesses. So really looking at small, medium, and and large-sized businesses. And in many ways, oftentimes the narrative is that the small and medium-sized businesses are at a disadvantage. And the large businesses, like I used to have, have big budgets, have large teams. I did. I had close to 200 people. Oftentimes, that introduces a different complexity in terms of operational inefficiency, lack of connectedness and coordination across teams, delayed decision times, those types of things. The right small and medium-sized businesses, when they embrace technology, I firmly believe the technology can help them operate at the same level of sophistication as their larger business counterparts. And their advantage is that they are genuinely more agile and can move far more quickly and react far more quickly in real time than, frankly, the large brand counterparts can do. So I think it's something unique that allows them to then see the trends, monitor the signals that are being surfaced to them, and be able to act on it while their larger counterparts are still sitting in a conference room somewhere talking about what they might do in the future. And, you know, talking to those other brands on that side of medium to small, ones that maybe are not super familiar with what platforms are out there or technology or kind of like want to do some work internally before maybe making a move over there. Are there any like recommendations or rule of thumbs that you have for potentially thinking about ad delivery or even inventory, managing that effectively for someone that maybe wants to do it maybe a little bit more internally um, and and be a little bit hands-on before moving to something more technology to do that? Yeah, sure. Demand forecasting is an interesting one in particular because we hear brands speak to us about that all the time. And oftentimes, even some of the small brands, we were at an event recently and we had a brand, maybe six or 10 people max in their kind of a startup emerging disruptor brand in the beauty space. And they were talking about forecasting and they actually had a pretty sophisticated household name brand product to help them with forecasting and their financial suite. The challenge they were having is that it wasn't integrated with the other tools they were using to run their business. And in this case, they had a Shopify site and they sold on Amazon. So those were the two channels where they were right now for their business with intention to expand into other marketplaces. So really looking for the three plus marketplace um, presence. So their issue was not that they didn't have some of the tools to run their business. Their issue was that they had multiple point solutions for different parts, and they really were looking for all of it to be in one unified environment. What excited me also about the smaller brand is I also think there's oftentimes the sense of they're not as sophisticated with certain things and the analysis metrics and the level of analytic rigor they bring to their business. And that's not my experience at all. And I like to use profitability as a good example. Many of the larger brands, frankly, if they're not profitable with their advertising effectiveness with their various sales and promotion campaigns, they can cut cost to hit their P&L bottom line profitability numbers. They have other ways to still hit an earnings number, if you will. When you're a small business, they're hyper-focused on SKU level profitability from day one. They are thinking about being economically viable from day one. And so they have a really granular and sophisticated 
orientation to not only growing their business, yet keeping an eye on doing so in a profitable way. And that's where they're really thinking about the sophisticated way of bringing sales and advertising and forecasting data, having an eye to what inventory do I have, which, which items should I promote, which ones should I pause on because of availability, the ongoing supply chain disruptions that everybody's having. Yet all of that brought together with an eye on individual item level PL performance. That's really helpful to kind of think about over there. And in terms of even like understanding the trends that are going on with smaller brands and you know, knowing that, you know, it's not as crazy of a difference as you may think it is, I think is really helpful over there. One other last thing, you know, as we're coming close to the end of the podcast over here, one thing I do want to touch on, and I know we had talked about this uh, before jumping on the podcast is talking about how things have changed in direct to consumer post pandemic. There's been a lot of key learnings in terms of customer acquisition, and even thinking about, you know, profitability, as you mentioned, what are some of those kind of like, key learnings and and things that you've seen working with with other brands as well? You know, Jay, this is an interesting point to maybe bring up something that doesn't get brought up as often as I think maybe it needs to. We know that technology can play a role in helping brands to scale their business and to do so profitably. We know that the types of technologies that are out there are more cost-effective than ever. They're more sophisticated than ever. They are more accessible to small and large brands than ever. We know that the metrics are becoming more sophisticated. You know, I I laugh about, I had a period of my career I spent in mobile marketing and the metric we used was click-through rate. And I remember thinking click-through rate on a mobile ad on this small device, you know, 320 by by 50 banner ad was an accident. You know, you'd hear about the click-through rate was 0.3. And I'm like, well, that was just someone's big fat thumb accidentally hitting the edge. You don't know what he really wanted to open up that edge unit. So it was a vanity metric. Just because you could measure it doesn't mean you should. And now, even be, and then it moves into return on ad spend. Now people are saying, hey, I want to optimize my advertising for net margin. I want to protect a net margin rate at a skew level, and I want to optimize my advertising against that. All of that sophistication is there. And then to your point about the pandemic, the piece I think we have forgotten, some folks have forgotten about their people. They have forgotten about the burnout that this period has put onto people of managing all the different things, not only in their personal lives, Yet, even as we're thinking about how to drive business in this accelerated adoption of e-commerce and the introduction of all these new tools, needing to broaden their skill sets, needing to broaden their their commercial and general management capabilities beyond their functional silo skill in the past of I run digital advertising or I run shopper or I'm only responsible for sales or forecasting, knowing that they they need coaching, they need mentorship, they need training and development, they need support. There's so much of the narrative around this great resignation and the great quit. And I hope that companies, when they think about some of these investments in technology, in process improvement, in organizational redesigns in the context of trying to grow and scale their their e-commerce business, that they include their team members in those conversations and those assessments to really help them feel empowered, not only empowered with the technology and insights to run the business better, yet empowered to help them grow professionally as well and to do so without that, that great resignation burnout reality that's kicking in for so many. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of that going on. Who knows how long it's going to go after, but I'm sure things will probably balance out one way or the other over there. Well, Julie, I know we're coming towards the end over here of the podcast. It's been super great having you on here to talk about a lot of different things. I know we covered AI, we covered post-pandemic stuff. uh, We even covered like kind of like pulling in data and why it's so important. What are some of those key insights over there? So 
Really enjoyed having you over here speaking on all of those topics. I'm going to pass the mic over to you one last time over here as we wrap up. What is next for you? Um, what is Tradeswell working on? And uh, where can people learn more and uh, potentially connect with either Tradeswell or even you? Yeah, so thanks, Jay, for that. And first and foremost, everybody reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn. It's Julie Bernard. You'll see me out there based on my background that we spoke about earlier. And at Tradeswell, we continue to build out our platform. We have a big announcement coming next week with a strategic partner that I think will be very excited, exciting for people to take a look at. And also, we do have this proprietary research that will talk a lot about the e-commerce trends that leaders are seeing there are subsets of it and cohorts that we'll tease out for CPG versus non-CPG. As I mentioned, we have a SMB angle to it that I think will be really interesting with some actionable solutions and insights and guidance for small businesses in particular, kind of in the $1 to $20 million range in revenue. And we also have some interesting insights on roles, differences between managers, directors, senior directors, perhaps, versus their VP and above leadership positions and things that are happening in businesses that we think leaders really need to be thinking about and the teams that they support. So more to come on that front. And related to our technology, tons of integrations. Our goal really is to give and empower brands with a unified view of their performance in any digital commerce context and to bring in that cross-functional data and automatically surface the insights, automatically surface insights into their demand forecast and the connectivity between the different functions so that they can grow their business and to do so profitably. So check out tradeswell.com for more information as well. So thanks so much, Jay. I really appreciate it. It's been great to be with you. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I, I'm sure our listeners learned a lot over here. If you did, feel free to drop a quick rating and subscribe to the podcast. And once again, thank you so much for, for joining us, Julie. All right. Thanks, Jay. It was great to be here. <laughs>